Today on Moody Presents with Mark Job. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am one of the ways or I am a way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a truth. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I am a life. He says, I am the life. And he says, no one can come to God the Father except through me. Welcome to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job. He's president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. What a great time of year to continue to investigate the claims of Christ here on the program. Pastor Mark takes us right to the Gospel of John, where Jesus made several unforgettable I am statements. We're going to pick up his message now with two more tests for authentic believers. Here's Pastor Mark Job taking us to John chapter 13 on Moody Presents. We move into a community, we should roll up our sleeves and say, how can we bless this community and help this community and make this place a better place? How can I do the works of God and serve some way? Because part of our worship is serving in whatever capacity it is. I thank God for literally hundreds of people, even at this church, that serve week after week, uh, just faithfully doing stuff that nobody sees. But they just love Jesus and say, I'm going to do it because I want to. Uh, people, people that are setting up chairs, people that are cleaning, people that are just, just blessing, serving, loving. And I believe that's really what God has called us to do. And not only within the four walls of the church, but into the community that we serve. Listen, this community should be a better place because the people of God are here. And we're asking ourselves, how can we help our community be a better community? Why? Because we have the Jesus DNA inside of us. Amen? That's basically the way it should be. Men? And I just challenge you, you want to be a real leader at your house? So, yeah, pastor, I want to be the leader. Could you tell my wife I'm the leader? Let me tell you how to serve, how to lead. You need to lead like Jesus led. And he led by love and compassion, but part of his leadership involved a servant heart. You know, part of loving your wife is to say, honey, you know what, you, you, you worked hard today. Why don't, you t- why don't you take a seat on the couch today, sit back, relax. You know, here's your favorite magazine right there. I'm going to do the dishes, put the kids to bed. And not ask for sex later. How about that? Whoa, that would really, that would really blow her away. That would really blow her away. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about servant leadership. I'm talking about living in a way that, that we realize that part of our heart and our call is to, is to do the, the, the works and the deeds of Jesus Christ. Secondly, secondly, the test of an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Latter part of chapter 13. In verse 33 of chapter 13, he says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now Jesus gives them another test 
of following him. And it's the heart test. And it's the love one another test. First, it's the servant test. Then it's the love test. I want you to notice this about what Jesus tells them. When Judas leaves, he looks at his disciples and he says, this is the mark of being my follower. This is how, we'll, this is how people will know that you are truly followers of mine. He doesn't say they'll know by how big your Bible is. Man, you got the big special edition concordance commentary Bible. He must be a follower. No, he doesn't say the Bible. He doesn't say they'll know you're a follower of mine because you wear a cross around your neck and kiss it before you go to bed and pray. No, that, that's not the sign of a true follower. You say, well, Pastor, I've run into guys that say, Pastor, I don't have a cross, man. I got it tattooed. <laughs> I went to a house and was trying to talk to a guy about following Jesus, and he wasn't, didn't strike me as a real authentic follower, and he was trying to convince me that Jesus was important to me. So I'm talking to him, and he strips off his shirt, and he said, this is how much I love Jesus. He turns around, he's got this big tattoo of Jesus on his back that he got in prison, and he shows me. That's it, right there. You may have a tattoo of Jesus at a cross on you somewhere, and I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that's not really the real mark of a follower of Jesus. The real mark of a follower of Jesus is this. How much do you really care and love other people? Seriously. The mark of a true Christian is that they're genuinely going to care about other people and what other people are going through. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, you can give your body to be burned, you can sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, you can talk in the languages of angels, and if you have no love, it means nothing at all. Because ultimately, the heart of Jesus Christ was a heart of love. He cared for people. Listen, if we don't care for people, we've lost our way. Yeah, it's one of the greatest characteristics. I run into people once in a while that kind of have this attitude. Pastor, I really love God. I really love the word. I just can't stand people. There's something wrong with that. Seriously. First John says, how can you say you love God that you cannot see, yet you hate the brother that you can see? You cannot hate people around you and claim to be a lover of God because what God will do is that God will soften your heart to care and love for people around you. That's part of it. Listen, I, I believe that God has really blessed us as a church here. He's given us the opportunity of really reaching thousands of people and, and growing and having hundreds of ministries and, and reaching out to mission fields in Africa and spreading throughout the city. And so we are grateful for the favor of God and the blessing of God upon this church. But, but the reality is this, is, is this, listen, no matter what we have done or no matter how much we grow or now, no matter how much God blesses us in terms of exterior significant work and ministry, if all that is done, but we lose our ability to love, and we don't have a heart that cares for the neediest of the needy, the poorest of the poor, 
for the people that are going through difficulty or compassion, if we, if we lose our heart and do not care for people, listen, all of that we, what we have done is worth very little because what God looks at are these people, are we as a congregation loving God and really concerned and loving other people? Because the heart of God rejoices when we do not lose a heart of loving other people and caring for other people that are hurting or in need as well. Amen? That's huge to God. And so my prayer is, oh God, let us have an impact. But may people, when they walk in this place, leave this place. Maybe they don't know anybody when they walk in this place, but may they sense and feel these people really care. And I want to tell you something. It's, it's kind of like the husband that's been married for his, to his wife for 20 years and she says, well, honey, do you really love me? He says, well, you know, I told you 20 years ago at the altar I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Um, sometimes we love, but we're not really good at showing love. And so you may have a deep concern and care in your heart, but, but, but not really good at showing it. And I want to challenge us as a body of believers. You know, we have Easter coming up very soon, Resurrection Sunday. Last year we had 7,000 people attend our uh, churchwide attend our Easter celebrations. There's a lot of people, and most of those people don't normally regularly come to our celebration. You can have people come into this place and walk out of this place. We want to make it hard for anybody to walk in this place and walk out of this place without someone loving on them. By that, I mean someone saying, hi, how you doing? Hi, are you new? Good to have you. Welcome. Hey, you know, we, th that's not just the usher's job. Hello? That's not just the usher's job. That's all of our job. All of our job is to, there are so many people that walk into a place like this that have never been in a Christian church and they feel totally awkward because they don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to make me stand, say something? Are they going to make me quote a Bible verse? Are they going to hug me and take my wallet? You know, you know, you know, you don't know. You just don't know. And it's just an awkward place. And sometimes we forget that there are people that really need God that are really awkward coming into a place like this because they just haven't been around. And you start raising their hands. They don't know what that means. We sing. It's all strange and awkward to them. And the greatest thing that tears down barriers is when people authentically show concern, compassion, care, and love to the people that are around them. Amen? Is that not true? So I want to challenge you, I want to challenge you, especially over these next couple of weeks, to ask yourself when you come on Sunday morning, man, who can I reach out to? I really want to show the love of Jesus to people that are around me. I want to reach out with the love of God and make sure that I'm demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ. So serve an attitude, loving one another. And the new commandment, by the way, this commandment was not new, it was found in the Old Testament. But the new part of this commandment is that Jesus said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus gave the ultimate commitment in laying down his life for the people that he loved. And so he's basically saying, I want you to love in a way that a sacrificial love kind of way is how I want you to love one another. Number three, it's the way test. We move to chapter 14. In chapter 14, Jesus gives them another test, and Thomas, doubting Thomas, in verse 5 of chapter 14, 
says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? I think I told you last week as we talked about Thomas, he's kind of always the negative person, right? He's the Eeyore. We're never going to make it. We're always going to be lost. We're all doomed. There's always sort of a negative person in the crowd. Jesus said, you're going to know how to follow me. And Thomas said, we don't know where you're going, Lord. How are we going to know the way? Oh, help us. In response to Thomas's comment, Jesus looks at Thomas and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. One of the most important, powerful verses in the whole Bible said in response to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, so here's how it works. Jesus is saying, uh, he, he tells him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Here, here's what you need to understand about this. We live in a society that's very uh, pluralistic. Um, we would be defined by spiritual pluralism. Let me define pluralism for you. Pluralism is believing that all beliefs are equal and good and lead to the same place. That's pluralism. Pluralism says, I believe this, you believe that. I acknowledge what you believe, what you believe is okay, what I believe is okay, and what we believe will take us to the same destiny. That's pluralism. Pluralism believes that every road leads to God no matter how it is. I want you to understand that if you are a follower of Jesus, that one of the tests of the way is very clear. And here's the test. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am one of the ways or I am a way. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a truth. He said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I am a life. He says, I am the life. And he says, no one can come to God the Father except through me. That is a very clear, narrow statement. Thanks, Pastor Mark. Allow us to hit the pause button here for just a moment to remind you that you're listening to Moody Presents. And on our program, we love to, well, present Moody. It's called The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. Written more than a century ago, I was amazed when I picked this book up. Let me share with you this excerpt. Moody says, I have either got to overcome the world or the world is going to overcome me. I have either got to conquer sin in me and get it under my feet or it is going to conquer me. Well, there are so many engaging stories, so much great application for Christian living in this book. I highly recommend D.L. Moody's The Overcoming Life. And it's yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount when you give online at moodypresents.org. Head to moodypresents.org and on the left side of the page, you'll see Moody Presents Resource. Give it a click. Give a gift of any amount and we'll send you D.L. D.L. Moody's The Overcoming Life. It's our thank you to you at moodypresents.org. Now back to our message. Here's Pastor Mark. Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mankind, whereby you must be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul said, for no one can lay any foundation other than what was already laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
So in essence, the Bible says that, that there is no other way except Jesus, there is no other name but Jesus, and there is no other foundation but Jesus. Okay, listen to me. This is really, really important. That message is a stumbling block to many people. Jesus was crucified. The disciples were martyred. Christians were thrown to the lions. Bibles have been burned. People put in prison. Why? Because Christians over 2,000 years have declared that Jesus is the way to God. And he's the only way to God. Therefore, it, it is a stumbling block to other people that do not want to accept that Jesus is the way to God. That can be an offensive message. Seriously, it can be offensive to people. Now, here's what I wanna make sure we have in mind though. Let's make sure it's the message that's offensive and not the messenger that's offensive. The Jesus said that we are, we are salt. Now, I, I like salt. My wife claims that I put salt on my food before I taste it. I look at my food and I say, it needs salt. Put a little salt on it. People say, how do you know it needs salt? I just can tell. It needs salt. So I salt it. I put a little salt on it. But I've been in a restaurant before. Has this ever happened to you where someone sort of unscrews the top of the salt shaker? Has that ever happened to you? And then you go, hey, I'm looking at some of you like, yeah, I did that. I, I probably, some of you look guilty. Like you're the one that unscrewed the top of the salt shaker. Now I know. So, if that's ever happened to you, you take the salt shaker and you go to put some salt and all of the salt spills out onto your food. You have too much salt now. And what too much salt does is it ruins the taste of the whole meal. And so you throw the meal away, not because the meal was bad, but because the salt was too much. Okay, now hear me well. You and I have been called to be salt. So when we go with the message of Jesus, that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, we go with a servant attitude, and we go with love, presenting a message that's seasoned with salt. When we have a servant attitude, and people know that we care, and then we present the message, it makes people hungry for more of what we have. When we go and we put the whole salt shaker on it, and we go and we're not servant-hearted and we don't love and our main message is turn or burn, then what we do is we turn people off and they're not turned off because they're rejecting Jesus. They're turned off because we as the messengers have not gone about the message the right way. Now, if people are going to stumble, may they stumble at our message but not stumble at, at, at the messenger. Amen? Some people, their view of Christians is angry, red-faced, shouting, dripping sweat in their face, yelling slurs with the Bible, angrily looking at people. And that's their view of what a Christian is. Listen, that's not my view of what Jesus is, and I don't want to be associated at all with that. Because in my mind, true, authentic Christians are people that love, people that serve, 
and that people that reach out with love to communicate a message that can change people's lives, it's the good news, the best message of life. And if they're rejected, they're rejected with a smile, not with anger and, 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 and this abrasiveness. And so we go out with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing with your family members, loving them to Jesus, not not uh, angrily trying to condemn everybody. And I know some of you, when you first get saved, you come to Christ, you want all of your family to get saved. So you, you, know, you wear your t-shirt to the, to the barbecue and you bring three Bibles and four tracts and you come loaded to your family gatherings and when they start asking you, start giving them tracts and saying you gotta turn and you, get, you argue about religion. And let me tell you, no one ever got anywhere by arguing about religion. Can I just encourage you, change your approach. How about just loving people, sharing your story, talking to them about what God, Jesus has done in your life, letting them know how much he's changed you. And when they say, well, what about this version of the Bible? What about this? And what about the Pope? And what about that? And what about that? You know what? Don't argue about religion. Share the story of Jesus. And there's nothing more compelling than with love sharing the powerful story of Jesus Christ and not arguing about religion, but just letting them know you found a savior, he's changed you, he's the best thing that's ever happened in your life and you wish they could experience it as well. And then lastly, the final test. So we have the test of servant heart, the test of love, the test of the way, and now we have the test, what I would call the power test, the test of the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on to tell in the rest of this passage, he goes on to say that he is going to leave because he must leave so that someone else must come. And he says in verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And he goes on to tell them that he is sending the Holy Spirit, who is the power of God that will live inside of them. I want you to hear me well, this is really important. The final test is the test of the Holy Spirit. Many people embrace Christianity as a religion and they try to live the Ten Commandments and they try to live the principles of Jesus but they continue to fail. Because Christianity was never intended to be lived as a religion. Christianity is a relationship with God that is impossible to live out unless you have the supernatural indwelling of the Holy Spirit that changes you from the inside out. That's the power of God. The moment that you come to Jesus Christ and accept him as Lord and Savior and open up your heart, then you receive the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit starts living in you, and when you can't forgive, 
he teaches you to forgive. And when you can't love, he gives you the power to love. And when you can't praise, he gives you the power to praise. And when you can't believe, he starts teaching you how to believe. Why? Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, giving you the power to live for God. You cannot do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you, I run into some people once in a while, they say, well, I tried and I gave up because it wasn't working for me. I'm gonna tell you, you may have tried, but if you try it on your own strength, it'll never work for you because you cannot do it on your own. You need the supernatural indwelling of God to give you the power to do so. And that's how God intended it to work. A powerful ending to today's message with our teacher, Dr. Mark Job. I hope you did some detective work in this Christ Said I Am series. A lot of things to uncover, details. Did you get the four tests? Once again, they are, one, the mindset test, two, the heart test, three, the way test, and four, the power test. Meanwhile, we invite you to our website, moodypresents.org, where you can hear this program again. And then why not bookmark our page so you can find it again, moodypresents.org. While there, we invite you to get your own copy of The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. It's available to you, our Moody Presents listeners, for a gift of any size. Can I share with you a quick excerpt? Moody writes, some people go back into the past and they rake up all the troubles they ever had. And then they look into the future and anticipate they're going to have still more trouble. And they go on reeling and staggering all through life. They give you the cold chills every time they meet you. They put on a whining voice and tell you what a hard time they've had. I believe they embalm their troubles and bring out the mummy on every opportunity. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Lord says, cast all your care on me. I want to carry your burdens and your troubles. You see how practical this book is? We'd love to send you a copy of The Overcoming Life. And again, it's yours for a gift of any amount at moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. I'm John Geiger, thanking you for joining us today. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.